This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to the interview edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter. We've got some great interviews to get to from this past week, all of whom are competing on this weekend's UFC Fight Night card. We've got the two main eventers, Islam Makhachev and Thiago Moises, joining us, as well as Misha Tate making a return after several years away from the game. And we've also got an interview with Billy Corantillo, who is uh, coming off a loss to Gavin Tucker, looking to get back into the win column in the featherweight division. If you are interested in hearing some recaps uh, regarding this past week's very eventful pay-per-view, UFC 264, myself, Bazooka Joe Valtellini, we broke that down. and You can find that on the TSN MMA Show feed. As for these interviews, let's get to them. We'll start with Islam Makhachev, who is headlining his first UFC event against Thiago Moises, first time in a main event for the UFC, uh, as well as Thiago Moises, who's been in several main events previously when he was under the RFA banner, and uh, both of them will join us, as well as Misha Tate and Billy Quarantillo. Let's get right to it. It's the TSN MMA Show Interview Edition. I'm now joined by the pride of Makhashkala, Dagestan. It is Islam Makhachev in his first UFC main event. How do those words sound to you? First time in the main event in the UFC card. Very excited, but now I understand that it's a little bit hard because a lot of media, a lot of other stuff. Yeah. When you cut weight, this is hard, you know. I hear that all the time from people that do their first main event in the UFC. They, they don't care about the five rounds. It's just all the other stuff they have to do. Uh, a lot of other stuff, which one I never, I never do, I never did. Well, what do you think of Thiago Moises? It's an opponent that uh, is not currently ranked, but has a, a lot of good victories uh, on a good win streak as well. Yeah, he he is good, you know. He is good in top 14 now. He good in jiu-jitsu, in striking, striking game. He have good striking game. Uh, he's tough. But I'm going to check his, his skills Saturday. How many different people turned you down for a fight in the last year? And can you name them for me? A lot of people. I don't know. Hoker, <laughs> RDA, and we call, we call everybody from top 10, but nobody, nobody takes fights. Well, this is a problem that a lot of people that, I guess, are managed by the same management as you. You've got Zabit, Kamaru Usman, Khabib. A lot of these people have been in the situation, Zabit to the point now where he's even thinking about retiring. Kamaru Usman told me that there was a time where he was thinking about retiring because he couldn't get fights either. Is it frustrating for you to be in a situation where you're looking to move up the rankings, but the people with the rankings won't defend those rankings? Yeah, I agree. My manager, Ali and Rizwan, have hard job because... They have a lot of tough guys and hard to find opponent, you know. When you, when you know, you, when you're tough, you always have to, you always have problem with find somebody. Because guys from top 10, they never want to fight with somebody without rankings. They want to fight with somebody in top 10. If they lose, they're going to stay in top 10. That's why. So you're a couple of years younger than Khabib. What age were you when you guys started training together in Dagestan? Uh, we were training together when I like seven, eight years old. 
and I changed many, many sports, but he always trained with his father. I did wrestling, like Ushu Sanda and other amateur sports. So was there a time where he became a teenager, 13, 14, 15 years old, and just got a lot bigger than you were, and you still had to train with him? Yeah, I'm still training with him. Now he's my like coach, not head coach, my head coach now, Javier Mendez. But he always come to the gym, teach me something, like always support me, you know. We did a lot of, uh, lot of rounds with him in grappling, wrestling. But no more sparring for him. He retired. He said, I'm tired about sparring. Well, he did an interview with uh, Beto Komodo this week, and he talked about how his father said when Khabib was at the top, it was time for him to step aside and let you move up to the top. What does that mean to you when you hear that? You know, my coach always told me, you have to be next, you're going to be next champion, and you have to just training hard, keep doing what you do, and one day you're going to be champion. That's why... I'm always training hard, and I believe one day I'm going to take this ball. Do you feel pressure on you to, to, to get better and uh, to become a champion one day? Uh, not pressure. What do I have to do? Just training. A lot of people told me you're going to be next. That's why I'm just training hard. What did you think of the main event this past weekend at UFC 264? Dustin Poirier defeating Conor McGregor by a doctor stoppage. Um, this is yeah, this is bad injury. Like uh, he gonna now he gonna spend a lot of time for uh, recovery, but he deserves you know. He say a lot of, a lot of like this is not trash talk. This is bad, you know what he said before the fight. That's why. He deserves all, all what happened to him. Do you think that he can ever come back as the same fighter as he once was, or do you think that an injury like that changes a career? Yeah, this is very bad injuries. He never gonna be same, you know, because he gonna spend maybe one year for, for recovery. That's why um, this very, I know, hard injury for come back but I hope I hope he come back one thing that we've seen uh, Habib do over the years is he, he's not shy about talking about smashing people and you seem a lot more shy and reserved to me but I feel like if you start talking about how you're gonna smash everybody maybe the fans are gonna start being on your side and pushing for you to get those big fights I told I told everybody like not smash I just have to finish my opponents you know this is the same, almost same. Well, you have two first round finishes, and one of them was a great knockout over Gleason Tebow, who we just saw beat Rory McDonald. Uh, so yeah, I think that finishing is certainly something that will draw the fans in, but we also saw a lot of the, the, the really good wrestling-based fighters do get decisions by really dominant fashion. I feel like that's something you can do as well. Yeah, I can finish my opponents in, in like, KO or take KO, I can finish my opponents and uh, grab and like give them like some vision or armbar something like that. I believe my skills much better than all all these guys.
So you've watched some tape on Tiago Moises. If you were going to tell me how you finished this fight within five rounds, what round will it be and how will you do it in your opinion? I think second or third round, I'm going to uh, take him down, make him tired, striking with him. We'll see, but I believe I'm going to smash him and finish him. There you go. Smashing and finishing. That's what people want to see. That's what people want to hear. You're a very shy guy. You need to speak up. I like it. Okay. <laughs> now I'm going to tell you. I'm going to smash all my opponents. There we go. Now, now we've got it. We're on the right track. Well, you're on the right track because you're on a fantastic win streak, seven in a row. One of the best win streaks in the lightweight division. You're looking to add an eighth win. So from here, where do you go? Do you, do you think that you're going to be able to find a guy top six, top seven to fight you after this one, uh, after a win this weekend? No, I hope I hope somebody take after this fight somebody from top five maybe top six take this fight because who have like this win streak in my division? That's why they have to give me somebody. All right, Islam. Well, all the best to you. Good luck yourself, Thiago Moises. Five round fight this weekend on UFC Fight Night. Appreciate your time and I hope to speak with you again soon. Спасибо, брат. <laughs> He's in the main event of this weekend's UFC Fight Night card. He is Thiago Moises, and he joins me right now. He's taking on Islam Makhachev. Now, Islam has a, a pretty set game plan. He's looking to take you down. He's looking to stay on top of you. How hard is it to train for somebody that you know is just so good at that facet of mixed martial arts? You know, he's, I have a really uh, great challenge ahead of me, you know, but... Uh, my, my coaches and my training partners at Mark Top Team, they got me ready for this fight. You know, I train in the best team in the world, so I'm 100% ready to go there and uh, match his skills. What was your reaction when you found out this was going to be the, the new main event for this card? I know that the original main event had fallen through. You know, when the main event fell through, you know, uh, Max got injured. Uh, I kind of, like, knew that I, I could be the main event because uh, I was the common event, so I kind of expected that, you know. Do you think five rounds benefits you more? Yes, I think benefits me more because uh, I'm confident that in 25 minutes I'm going to find a, a way to, to finish this fight. And uh, I have been fighting five rounds before. I fought three times five rounds before. Uh, he, he didn't, so it's an advantage for me. And that was back when you were the LFA champion, correct? That's that's when you had your five round fights. RFA, RFA, yeah. Oh, RFA, I did three before times, the merger. Yes. Right now, American top team flying high. Dustin Poirier, big uh, win over Conor McGregor over the weekend. What, what's what's the atmosphere like, for, you know, around you and your team? And uh, who who's in your corner this week? And who did they corner this past weekend? You know, uh, my corner for this uh, this fight is going to be uh, Marcos Pahumpa da Mata. Luciano Macarrão and Catel uh, Cubas, my striking coach, and also Steve Marco, uh, wrestling coach, uh, is going to be very important for this fight. And uh, yeah, the team is doing great. You know, uh, everything is, is like the energy is, is high, and uh, I can't wait to keep the ball rolling. You know, Adriano beat Demetrius Johnson, and Dustin beat uh, Conor McGregor, and I'm going to beat Isla July 17. Yes, yeah, the Legend Killing Tour by uh, American Top Team. You guys are beating all the legends. Let's keep this going. <laughs> what did you think of that fight? Uh, Dustin Poirier uh, earning a TKO victory the end of the first round, uh, doctor stoppage. What did you uh, take away from that fight? You know, uh, I think uh, 
Dustin uh, was in a really good mindset. You know, he was very confident. He didn't let a corner uh, got into his mind. You know, and I think I need to do the same you know, uh, on this fight, you know, because I'm uh, such a big underdog on this one. And uh, I need to trust my skills, uh, my team, uh, all the work that I did for this, not just for this fight, but also my whole life. You know, I, I got to trust myself and go there and give my best. Do you think that it being a doctor stoppage takes anything away from the win? You know, I think that it probably would have been a little bit better if Dustin had gotten a definitive win uh, with a finish of some sort. Uh, although I guess technically that is a finish. It's a TKO. But do you think it takes anything away from the win? I don't think so. I d Dustin was winning the fight. And uh, I think the longer the fight uh, was going, I think Dustin had the advantage. You know, and uh, I, I don't think it, this uh, takes anything away from, the, from Dustin. You know, he worked so hard for this fight. And... Uh, he got the W. That's, that's what matters at the end. I actually think it's the best case scenario for Dustin because now there's another rematch with Condor that's possible. And you know you know what comes with that? Lots of money. <laughs> he can make more money. <laughs> yes, he can make more. He can, like, he, he can be, he's going to be a champion now. Uh, he, can be, he can beat uh, Oliveira. Then he can fight McGregor, you know, and uh, for the belt, is even more money. You know, they can hype up the fight even more. And I saw your coach, Pahumpa. He was in the corner for a lot of the different fights. I believe he was cornering Jaglas Jumagulov, who had that fantastic uh, guillotine win. Yes. Yes, he, he, he was. Uh, he, he cornered uh, Omari also. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Omari Ahmedov. Yeah, that was a close fight as well. Yeah. So uh, yes, it, was. it was nice to see him in the corner. Nice to see that your team is doing so well. Uh, Mateusz Gamrod on the card as well. Tell me a little bit about him. He's taking on Jeremy Stevens. Man, Mateusz, uh, he's... Uh, I think he's, he's going uh, to be in the top of the, of the division uh, really soon. You know, this guy, he works very hard. He has uh, good wrestling, good foot locks, really good jiu-jitsu. You know, his strike improved so much in the last uh, couple of years. Uh, he works hard, and this guy is going gonna, is gonna to be in the top very soon. He's one of my tr main training partners. You know, he was one of my train main training partners for... Alexander Hernandez fights, and uh, also for this one. Yeah, I was going to ask about that, because I figured you guys were on the same card. It, it would only make sense if you guys were training together for this one. Uh, I noticed that you're an underdog once again. You've been an underdog your last three fights, and you won all three of those fights. Do you like being in that spot? I don't mind. You know, I don't care. Uh, my whole life, I have been an, an underdog. You know, It just, just doesn't matter what... Like, this is just what other people think, you know... Uh, what matters is what I think about myself, me and my team, and we are pretty confident in this victory. So it doesn't give you any sort of extra chip on your shoulder? Actually, no. You know, I think he has the chip on his shoulder, you know, because he has all the hype behind him. He has Khabib behind him. You know, all, all the media uh, is uh, just talking about him. So I think it's the pressure is on him. I'm just going to go there and, uh, yeah, take, take, take advantage of that, you know. Do you feel like if he takes you down, you actually have a pretty good position uh, of advantage off of your back because of how good you are at BJJ? You know, of course, I, I don't want to be on my back, but uh, if I, I want, but if I, I get to be on my back on this fight, I can fight off my back. Also, you know, I'm dangerous if uh, if I'm fighting off my back, and uh, he needs to be aware all the time. You're actually a second-generation mixed martial artist. Your dad was a mixed martial artist as well. So tell me what it was like growing up with a father who was in MMA in the very early stages of the sport. You know, that's why I started fighting, you know, because my father, uh, he was, as I say, you know, he was a professional MMA fighter. He did, he did 
just one MMA fight, but uh, he was a black, uh, kickboxing black belt. He, he had a lot of uh, kick, kickboxing fights, and uh, this uh, is in my blood, you know. Since I was eight years old, I grew up on the mat uh, watching him fight. Uh, he teached me, uh, he, he's, he's my first coach, you know, so he teached me a lot of things, and I'm going to represent him, uh, my family, uh, when I step in the cage July 17th. What age were you when you were able to get the best of your dad? When you were able to beat him either in the, the you know, with the grappling exchanges or anything along those lines, uh, when you were finally able to turn the tables on him because he was a professional mixed martial artist and you were just coming up? You know, uh, he was kind of, uh, you know, we, we used to train a lot, you know, like live was crazy. Like even, even at, at home, you know, we were like watching TV and uh from from like nothing we started grappling you know uh breaking things at home you know breaking couches you know almost uh, taking the fridge down you know and my mom was screaming stop stop it like this you know she was going crazy so <laughs> that's how i grew up you know and now you're uh, you're living in florida near the gym uh from what i understand I, I saw an interview you did with james lynch where you said that you've moved about what five minutes away from american top team so that you can uh, do faster rest sessions and get back to the gym. Oh yeah, that's that's a, uh, the thing that I value uh, a lot, you know. So I can be a, a lot of time at the gym. I can, I can train, I can train and I can recover more, you know. So I, not so much time you know, traveling. So this is big part of my, of this this last camp. What do you spend your spare time doing in Florida uh, when you're when you're taking any time to yourself? You know the. Uh, the most that I do is training. Uh, I always training and I recover. That's what I do the most. But uh, I like to go into the beach with my wife. Uh, pretty much watch UFC with friends and yeah, that's pretty much that we do. Know. Go to the beach and UFC fight nights. That's take, what I do. Do you take your wife and your kids to Sawgrass, a nice nice mall? Yeah, sometimes you go to Sawgrass, but uh, I like going to the beach more. You know, I'm not uh, so much a mall guy. I, I I get stressed really quick when I, when I go to the mall. <laughs> Why do you get stressed out at the mall? Sorry? Why do you get stressed out there? I mean, you're somebody who, who competes in mixed martial arts for a living. I imagine stress doesn't come easily to you. No. Actually, I'm a pretty calm person, person you know, but uh, when I go to the mall, I, I have no patience, you know, to go to this store, to go to that store, you know, like... I, I, I don't like that, you know, too many people. I like going to the beach, you know, relaxing, and that's the kind of weekend that I like. And you think it's competitive in the octagon, wait until you try to find a parking spot on the weekend at, uh, at the mall in Florida. That's, that's, that's the fight right there. Yes, you know, I, I think it's, uh, it's, it's very important you to fight balance, you know, because uh, we are working hard every day. We are put, putting our body through so much, you know, so... Uh, on the weekends, I just want to relax. I, I want to rest, you know, stay with my wife, uh, hang out with friends, you know. That's that's what I want to do on the weekend. So be, in, be ready to get to training hard on Monday, you know, because hard at the, Mondays at the American Top Team are the hardest day, you know. Yeah, I said your wife and kids, so for clarification, you don't have kids. It's just you and your wife? I don't have kids yet. Yeah, just me and my wife. I think man. I'm too young for that. Yeah. How old are you, 25? 26, 26, 26 right now. I had my first one at 27. So, I mean, yeah, you're getting there. You're getting, you're getting yeah. close to the, t the conversation I starting. <laughs> I want to have, have kids uh, 
maybe two, two, three years, you know, but I, I want to have a lot of kids, you know, maybe three, four, five kids. All right, well, then shoot for that bonus this weekend because you're going to need uh, some extra money yeah, if you're going to have five kids. <laughs> that's going to help a lot, you know, and uh, bonus in the belt, I can have a lot of kids. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, best of luck to you, Thiago. Uh, we'll right, be uh, looking forward to your main event against Islam Makhachev. Uh, five rounds. It'll be on TSN here in Canada. Appreciate your time. I appreciate it, brother. Thank you so much. Let's get it. I'm now joined by the former women's bantamweight champion of the world, Misha Tate, who's returning to action against Marion Renault this weekend. And I noticed something weird, at least it weirded me out. Ronda Rousey has fought more recently in the UFC than you have. <laughs> that is weird, isn't it? <laughs> she fought after me? Yeah. Well, I always think I was retired, wasn't I? That's crazy. You know what's crazy, too, is that Amanda still holds the belt. Like, wild. So um, I'm excited to get back in the division and spice it up. I was thinking that, too. I was thinking of maybe trying to look smart and seeing how many times other titles have changed since she got won that. Like, I wonder if there's a single division where the champion's the same. Probably not. I imagine she's the longest reigning champion. Yeah, I think, uh, I know Valentina's been champion for quite some time, but I'm not sure if it's quite as long as, as uh, yeah. Well, the division sense. wasn't alive then, I don't think, because Amanda defended the title against Valentina in Edmonton. And I remember that because I was there. So I guess flyweight hadn't been invented then. I mean, right. fly, the concept right. of flyweight had been invented, but just not in the UFC. Right. Yeah. No, absolutely. This is uh, interesting. You're making me think. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the point of uh, me being an interviewer is to make you think. So I, I watched your uh, YouTube videos uh, of your return to the cage. I mean, it does not look easy. It's not like riding a bike. It looks like a, a lot of work, but it also seems like there's a, a certain amount of peace that's coming with it for you. Would you agree with that? Yes, absolutely. It's very natural. It might be more work overall, but I feel like uh, it's what I was born to do. Uh, I, I always knew I was a fighter. I didn't know I would enjoy being a mother so much. Um, but now that I have the polarity of the two, I feel like I have the perfect balance in my life. How much more chaotic was your life when you retired in, in comparison to now? My life was in a just a very dark negative place when I retired and that's why I decided to step away from the sport because everything was so entangled in itself that I didn't know how to step away from the personal turmoil without exiting the sport. Um, so I just left everything and I tried to reinvent myself as a, as a person and I feel like over the past four years that's what I've really done and um, I've taken the past year to dedicate myself back to the sport and, and the results I think will be uh, like people will notice a difference. They will know that I have upgraded, right? That I'm, that I'm Tate 2.0. This is not just a slogan, but this is me. How long did it take for you to get your feet back on the ground after your retirement where it felt like you kind of had gotten a sense of normalcy back in your life? Well, it, it, it took me years to feel like I was, um, that I had kind of completed the circle, so to speak, that I set out to to really discover myself. So I spent time uh, rekindling relationships that had uh, kind of fallen to the wayside or, or been disconnected and then um, just learning so much about myself. So I would say it took me a long time. I mean, I think learning about yourself, asking yourself hard questions, um, you don't, I, I didn't have all the answers, you know what I mean? Like I really had to, to soul search and, and do a lot of things different and, and learn how to navigate the world again, um, not as a fighter, because that's, that's really all that I knew since I was 19 years old. 
and navigate the world you did, you moved to Singapore. How much of, a, of an impact did that have on where you are today? Oh, wow. That was an experience for sure, especially being locked down there um, during the pandemic. But I think all that stuff in combination uh, is what really pushed me to get back to fighting in MMA because, you know, there ended up becoming a point there when the pandemic and the borders were closed and I was pregnant with my son. My family couldn't come over and I couldn't stand the idea of my son growing up and never having met his grandparents or the rest of my family. And I thought, that's really important to me. What else is important to me? And time, right? You can never get that back. And dreams and goals. And I said, what are, what are, you know, what are my future dreams and goals? And it just, I, it fighting, like that's what kept topping the list. It's like, I want to fight again. I want to fight again. And I kept thinking, oh no, you know, you're just being emotional. That's irrational thinking, you know, but no, it was, um, it was definitely destiny. So I, I just kept uh, chipping away at the, the idea once I kind of came to terms with, hey, this is not just a, a thought. This is this is this is something that's not going to go away and it, we need to move forward with it. So how much training and work did you do before you actually reached out to Dana White when you had reached, I guess, a final decision that, yeah, I'm going to come back and I, I'd like to come back to the UFC? I had reached out to Dana White mm, maybe a month postpartum and I think he was like are you nuts you know he didn't even respond to me actually it took him quite some time I still have the bone to pick with him about that because I don't know why he was blowing me off but I have a feeling that maybe he thought that I was hurting for money or that this he wanted to make sure that it was for the right reasons I'm assuming but um eventually got to a point where I moved back to the U.S. I kind of came knocking on the door here at the USC and I said um I want to fight and he's like what do you mean? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I, I want to fight again. And he's like, okay. So um, we just kind of took it one step at a time. And I just said, just just let me get into good shape. Because I think at that point, I was only three or four months postpartum. So let me just train and see how that goes. But I wanted to set the kind of the, uh, the idea in motion. So um, I did. And then once I got training and I got into really good shape and I was like, oh, I'm, I've definitely like I've still got this. Like I'm better than I was before. Um, I came back to him and I was like, let's let's uh, I want an opponent and I want a date. So what's been the status uh, at home? Is Johnny taking a bit of a break on his career so that he can look after the kids while um, you're working? I know he's also going to be your coach for this uh, particular fight. Right. So Johnny's been tremendously supportive, of course, of my career, but he's been wanting to fight. So he's still signed with one championship, but he's just been able to get any momentum going there, unfortunately. So he's been asking for a fight for uh, over a year. Um, so at any point when he does get a fight, you know, the tables will turn and I will become so this in the supportive role. And that's the dynamic that we have. So um, he wants to fight, but we just haven't been able to get get the ball moving on that that end. And speaking of the coaching side, uh, your your previous coach, uh, Coach Follows, passed away, I think, one month after you retired. Uh, what's it been like to not have him be part of this process? Yeah, my Coach Follows, I miss him a lot. I definitely miss him. I feel like he would be an amazing contribution to the team that I have now. But um, he's not with us anymore, so he's always here in spirit, though I actually take this water bottle everywhere. This is, this was his water bottle. So he's at all my sparring sessions and everything that I'm doing leading up to this camp. So I still feel like he's very much a part of that and he lives on forever in my heart. Um, but 
you know, I want to make him proud because he worked so hard and through the hardest part of my camps, you know, and my life, like I was in my darkest moments and my coach was there for me in, you know, he's such so much more than just a coach. A coach just doesn't, um, it doesn't solidify, you know, he was like a father figure. He was like a big brother. He was a mentor. He was just somebody that in my worst moments and, and he knew because he saw the dynamic and he knew the relationship that I had. And so he, he, he very much understood where I was coming from and, and why I retired. And so with that being said, um, you know, Robert is still very much a part of what I'm doing and a very, you know, I, I still utilize him as motivation. I still remember so many of his quotes and his energy and his, you know, contagious laughter. Um, so I miss him for sure. I miss him a lot. But if there's one thing that that taught me is that, you know, life can be short and we've got to appreciate and, and take advantage of the moments that we that we can. So that's exactly what I'm here to do and want to make him proud. And you go from one hardworking coach to another. Coach Eric Nixick uh, is, you know, now the coach of two different champions in the UFC. He's really emerged as one of the real up-and-coming coaches in the game. And his philosophy uh, is kind of a football philosophy. He comes from a football family. So it's uh, a really interesting uh, dynamic that he has with his different, uh, the different fighters that he, he coaches. What's it been like having Coach Nixick in your corner? Eric is so fun. He is the huddle master. He is such a great energy. And that's what I, I love about Eric the most. I mean, he has a great skill set and he's a phenomenal coach, but there's something more than a skill set that you, that should be appreciated about Eric. And, and that's what I'm utilizing him more so for in this camp is the uh, place that he's able to keep you in your in your headspace and emotionally, even though I feel like that's a strength of mine anyways, he makes it better. He adds to it. And so I am so excited to have him in my corner. I love having his energy in the gym. Um, and he just, yeah, he, he really brings it. And then um, obviously Johnny will be in my corner. Not so much coaching. He's more the body and, and um, you know, to help where he can, where he can fit in. But he's my support. And um, then my head coach is Rick Little, who coaches uh, Juliana Pena and Michael Chiesa. And I've known him since the inception of my career. So, you know, perhaps you could make an argument at this point in my career that nobody knows me better as a fighter and as a human being. So I have a very strong team around me and very excited for this fight. And we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here, but... The division's kind of wide open. I mean, Juliana, your training partner and uh, a disciple, I guess, on The Ultimate Fighter, has next. And from there, there's just a lot of balls in the air in the division. You've got Jermaine, Jermaine Durandame and Holly Holm, who've already fought against Amanda. Uh, great performance uh, this past weekend by Irina Aldana. And uh, I think Aspen Ladd is kind of in the mix. But there's not really a, a really cemented next contender after uh, the fight against Pena. So are you looking to, to move up really quickly in this division and, and try to get fast-tracked to a title shot with maybe a win or two? Honestly, I'm looking to not look past Saturday. Um, but that's easier said than done, right? I want to focus on this Saturday because everything pivots on that moment. So I need that win, and I want to get that finish. But I do. I am the type of person who has short-term, mid-term, long-term goals. So when I look at the long-term goal, it is getting back to that belt. And and right now, Amanda's been so dominant for so long, um, just out of habit. I guess I'm envisioning her. Um, but this fight with Juliana Pena is, you know, be watch out because Julie is very tough. She's the least hit woman in the division, you know. But I look at it like, you know. It, 
like I, I want her to get the job done and I want her to become a champion. She deserves it. She's worked her butt off. So I hope, you know, I want Julie to win this fight. But if she doesn't, you know, I plan to be the woman who does. Yeah, I was sure I was sure to not say when you do want to fight Amanda in the future because we don't know who the champion's going to be. You've always got to give every challenger a fair shot. Uh, thank you for doing this. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to seeing you back in the cage this weekend. Misha Tate 2.0. It's a pleasure speaking with you and uh, best of luck this Saturday. Thank you. Appreciate it. I'm now joined by Billy Quarantillo, who will be facing Gabriel Benitez this weekend at UFC Fight Night. Uh, we were just talking beforehand. You, you went back to Western New York. You got to pay a visit to your old stomping grounds? Yep, yep. I got some family up there. You know, my parents and my brother still live there. So I was able to go there and see my newly born niece. Got to go uh, teach a seminar there at my old gym, WNY MMA. So we had a great time. And, uh, but yeah, then it was back to work. I couldn't, I couldn't eat all the good food there uh, because I was in training camp. But I can't wait to go there outside of camp and, and eat all the food there. How does it feel to not be facing a Canadian this time around? <laughs> uh, it feels good. You know, we're going a little south of the border fighting a Mexican. Uh, but, you know, whoever they give me, I'm excited to fight. And, you know, the Canadians always bring it. They got one back on me with Tucker. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, that was an interesting fight. I heard an interview with you where you said you weren't expecting Gavin to take you down that many times and go for takedowns. I agree with that. I thought this was going to be kind of a stand-up fight. Uh, you know, Gavin Tucker's got f fantastic boxing. You've got fantastic skills on the feet. So was it just a, a matter of just not being prepared for that particular uh, type of fight when you went in? You know, it not. it's not that we don't like wrestling, do jujitsu. I just think uh, I didn't expect him to to uh shoot in and grapple that much and just the way he did it he did, he did a really good job of you know changing his levels he's a little bit shorter so he did a good job you know setting up takedown body lock trips just stuff that i wasn't necessarily expecting and i was you know was expecting a little bit more of a, a stand-up battle but again you know he he did what exactly what he had to do to win he did a great job and i learned a lot from that fight and it, it's probably a blessing in disguise and i'll and i'll use that going forward I probably phrased that wrong. I know that you're always prepared for these fights, but it's the expectation yeah. that I was talking about, whether or not you thought that he was actually going to be going for takedowns throughout the fight, because sometimes you'll, you'll train one skill more than another. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. You know, and we, we were expecting him to mix in takedowns, mix in a takedown here and there, but he did a good job of consistently putting them together. Uh, I stopped a few of the takedowns early on, and then he did a good job making adjustments and you know, now going into this fight, I, I've made a lot of adjustments and I'm a lot better than I was seven months ago, which I'm really excited for that. Well, you're in a division that is just filled with absolute killers and momentum is so important to get into the rankings for this particular division. Uh, how hard is it to lose a four, strike, a four fight win streak and now you have to kind of start back from square one? Um, you know, it's... It's it is what it is. I, I can't go back and you know fight fight him again and try to get that win back and keep that winning streak going. So just moving forward, I I know there's a lot of contenders out there trying to break in the top 15. I know I know the top 15 is changing up, you know, pretty rapidly, especially you know 13, 14, 15, all those guys. Uh, it switches up a lot. So I think all I could do is go out there and, and get a finish this fight. Being four and one in the UFC with three finishes would be ideal and then maybe one more fight and then it's top 15 and, and it's going to be more veterans and, and that kind of thing but i can't look, really look back and i can't really look forward it's i got uh you know gabriel benitez on the mind and uh, i'm going to do everything i can do to take him out what do you think you do better than him i guess if you were to say you do this 
a lot better than him, and he does this maybe a little bit better than you if you were to, I guess, compare yeah, the two I, styles. I, I think he, uh, I think he's very good at what he does, and that's fundamental basic striking which you know not to take anything away from like saying it's basic he's very good at it and fundamentals usually do win fights i think i'm better at being more unpredictable i think i have more ways to win this fight i think i have you know just as just as good as striking as him and much better grappling and jujitsu so he needs to worry about am i going to take this fight to the ground am i going to keep it standing with him uh and i'm going to decide I'm going to dictate where that goes. And he's very, I think he's very comfortable with his fundamental striking, which is, you know, it's worked for him before. He's got a decent record, but I think fighting me, uh, it's it's not going to work out as well as he thinks it is. Now, from what I understand, you also do some commentary for a Brazilian, I don't know if it's a grappling uh, league or an yep. MMA league, and you do it from your home. Uh, that's, yep. that's pretty, so tell me a little bit about that and, uh, and how you got that gig. Yeah, so uh, shout out to uh, Stand Standout Fighting Tournament, uh, uh, SFT in Brazil. It's a huge MMA organization, and they have their uh, Portuguese. They basically do the commentary in Portuguese, and we do the commentary. Me, Jay Adams, shout out to Jay Adams. He's the man. Uh, we do the English version of that, so they basically do the shows live uh, in Portuguese, and then we do the uh, English version, which you can do it right from home. So I have a, a studio set up in my house now. And I just do it all from there. I love it. I love commentary. I like being involved in MMA any way possible. Obviously, fighting is my favorite, but then commentary and coaching are definitely up there too. I love doing pretty much all of it. So people, I got offered that job. I love doing it. I'm actually going to see uh, David Hudson, the owner. He's actually cornering one of the fighters this weekend. So I'm going to see him this weekend, which is pretty cool. And uh, I, like I said, I love doing it on the side. It hasn't interfered with my training at all. So it's just, uh, you know, I'm just blessed to be in this position to do all these other things involving what I love to do. All right. Well, now that you're doing analysis, I'm going to make you put your analyst hat on. Dustin Poirier, okay. Conor McGregor this past weekend. If you were to take those two guys and have them fight 10 times, how many times, the, I guess, how does that series go? Man, that's, that's a great question because... You know, obviously, it, it depends what time frame it is. It depends, you know, how long they got in between. Because obviously, Connor beat him the, four, the first time at 145. Uh, so you can't really say 10 out of 10 for Poirier. It, and I wouldn't even—I don't even know if I'd say it anyway. Uh, Connor looked good in the first couple of minutes of that fight. He—he he did get taken down and beaten up a little bit. It's really tough to say, man. I would definitely say Poirier, maybe seven, six, six or seven out of the 10 times. But you—you can't—you can't forget that McGregor does have outstanding striking his i think in the first round he's one of the most dangerous fighters in the ufc so i would probably say either probably probably seven go to mcgregor or i'm sorry seven go to poirier uh but i man it's still tough to count out mcgregor because he just what he's done in his career and you know so it's tough to always bet against him especially i think it's hard to beat anyone 10 out of 10 times especially two guys that are at that high level i think that's kind of unfair about it to me uh, just as somebody who covers the sport, is that we kind of have no idea where Connor's at right now. I mean, losing twice to the best lightweight in the world, potentially, it doesn't mean much. What I'd like to see is how he would do against somebody who's, you know, ranked in the bottom half of the top 10 and see how he would do there. Because I don't think you can take anything away from somebody for losing twice in a row to Dustin Poirier. He's just that good. Yeah, I agree. You know, and, and it's always like an, a joke on MMA Twitter. I always see it where everyone just talks about uh, Dustin Poirier's resume. But it makes sense. I mean, to, to beat guys like Max Holloway twice, Justin Gagey, Connor twice now, you know, it's super, super impressive. Obviously, I'm missing a ton of guys on there. But 
yeah, he's got one of the best resumes, and McGregor fought him twice, you know, after getting knocked out to him to call him out again and and uh, fight him again. That takes a lot of courage. So it, it would definitely, I think McGregor beats a lot of the guys in the top 15, uh, but just not Dustin Poirier right now. But who knows down the road? Because, you know, a few years ago, it seemed like there was no chance that Poirier would beat him, you know, to imagine if Poirier asked for a rematch after he got knocked out to him, there's like, there's no way he's going to beat him. But just what, five, six years later, you know, he beat him twice in a row. And, and now he's the, the, the big, the big deal in the lightweight division. And UFC 266 coming up in September, you had Brian Ortega looking to get the title from Alexander Volkanovsky. How do you, how do you gauge that one? Um, that's, that's going to be a great matchup. It's tough to bet against, uh, Volkanovski in this fight, uh, just because, you know, they, they have similar opponents in Max Holloway and obviously, uh, Volkanovski did a lot better, even though I do think Max won that second fight. Uh, but yeah, it's, you know, every fight's different. Who knows what they're doing in their training camp right now. I would lean towards Volkanovski in that fight, but Ortega could, you know, maybe he's working new stuff. I know I, I heard he got some new coaches after one of the fights, so, you know, we'll see. We'll see who has a better training camp. We'll see who can put it together that night. And uh, I'm, I'm just going to be watching that one as a fan. Do you ever think of moving up to 155? I feel like you're 5'10". You're pretty tall for the division. You're really fast. That might be a, a benefit to you. You know, I was thinking about it when, uh, you know, for this last Gavin Tucker fight, I actually just was talking to the media about it. I didn't have the best weight cut. But I think overall, I see some of these guys at, at at 155. Some of these guys are giant, like Dustin Poirier, for example. I heard fight night he gets up to like the, in the 180s. So they're definitely just a little bit too big. There's obviously certain matchups. I think I would smoke some of these guys at 155. But at 45, I think that's my best chance to fight guys that are my size. And there's even you know I've had fights where I was much smaller than the guy. So I think at 145 is my chance to my best chance to climb up the rankings and get in the top 15. Maybe down the road if it's you know a catchweight fight or if it's just a 155 matchup that they really like, I would definitely take it because I am a you know pretty good sized featherweight. Uh, but for the foreseeable future, I think 45 is uh, where I'm at. What do you walk around at like one 165, 170? Oh, uh, it depends. Outside of camp, I get up to in like the one, the mid 170s. Um, this last fight camp, I decided to basically eat a lot cleaner, eat, you know, keep everything, uh, you know, as professional as possible. So I actually got a lot lighter for this fight. Um, I was probably 165 a couple weeks ago, and now I'm under, you know, I'm about 10 pounds over right now, and it's gonna be a pretty, you know, pretty easy, you know, basic cut for me this fight. So no, no duffs, no big tree in when you were in Western New York. No, none of that. I, I snuck off Mighty Taco was my go-to, and all I did was have a chicken fajita there the one day. I didn't avoid all the usual stuff I eat. You know, I wasn't able to go to Viola's, which is a, a great sub shop that I love. Uh, I had to avoid a bunch of places. I had to avoid all the pizza and the chicken wings. So I definitely plan on making my opponent pay for that. Is that the Mexican place that's on Main Street? I think I might have been to that one. Yes, yes. There is, it's, uh, there's one on Main Street. There's one on a Military Road. It's, I don't know if it's considered a chain restaurant, but there's like there's like 10 of them in Western New York and it's a fast food place. And everyone in my hometown makes fun of me because I always talk about it in interviews because it's just like a, a basic fast food place. But it's so good and you can't get it in Florida where I live. So I just love it. Uh, I brought my teammate Matt Favola there. He had it once and uh, it's it's just so good. I love it. So I can't I always can't wait to go home. And it's usually the first thing I eat when I get there. Uh 
you know, in retirement, maybe you'll open your own franchise in Tampa. You can change that. Dude, I would love to do that. I need to talk to them about some, some sponsorship opportunities. Just give me a lifetime of Mighty Taco. I'll be good to go. <laughs> We've got Duff's up here in Toronto, so I get to enjoy that every now and then, and it's phenomenal. Uh, anyhow, speaking of phenomenal, you're a phenomenal athlete. We look forward to seeing you face Gabriel Benitez this weekend at UFC Fight Night. Appreciate your time as always. All right. Thanks for having me, Aaron. Big thanks to all of our guests on this week's TSN MMA show. Islam Makhachev, Thiago Moises, Misha Tate, and Billy Quarantillo all of whom are competing at this weekend's card, really looking forward to this one. Could this be the next big step in the career of Islam Makhachev? Or can Tiago Moises play spoiler? Moises, very young, improving all the time, and uh, has been a very impressive fighter of late. And Islam Makhachev, of course, not getting the kind of matchups that he wants, but a win over Tiago Moises will certainly put his name into the mix in terms of the top 10 of the lightweight division and uh, some interesting matchups ahead of him as the lightweight division, as we all know, is one of the toughest divisions in the entire sport when it comes to the UFC. And uh, really looking forward to watching this weekend's card and seeing the return of Misha Tate. That's uh, obviously a massive, massive surprise to see her coming back. I think that uh, it was very unexpected. And when she announced she was coming back uh, and the UFC announced she was coming back, I think it caught a lot of people uh, by surprise. And uh, I mentioned to her that Ronda Rousey has somehow fought more recently than... Uh, than she has, which is it's just a real surprise to me. Anyhow, thank you for tuning in. We're going to be back next week with more great interviews and more insight and analysis from myself and Bazooka Joe Valsalini. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you then. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.